Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Hello and welcome to another Bleacher Blums episode. We have got a great podcast for you. Myself, Jeff Blum, 14-year Major League veteran and current color commentator for the Houston Astros, and my co-host, David Tuttle, who played minor league baseball for quite a while, student athlete out at Santa Clara University. We talk a lot about the Astros. We talk a lot about baseball, but obviously with this being the midway point and the Astros breaking out of all-star break with a two-game series, a doubleheader against the New York Yankees, we had a chance and had an idea to reach out to a couple of our buddies in the Blue Wire podcast network who run Bronx Pinstripes. We had uh, Scott and Andrew come on with us, and we went on their show. You may have already heard it on their side, but we stole the audio from them. And I probably shouldn't say that, but we took the audio from them and put it on our podcast, and we're going to have a great time talking with them. So if you're looking for some Yankees Astro banter, some great questions being asked, you got to stay in there because we will ask them about what is all the hatred around Altuve regarding, what moves they feel they might make, and what moves the Astros might make, but also just pump the upcoming series between the Yankees and Astros. So I hope you enjoy this special Bleacher Blums podcast where we have a conversation with some Yankee fans slash podcasters. And here you go. Tuttle and I are going to get it on with Scott and Andrew. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Got a very special episode. We've got the Bleacher Blums guys on the pod, Jeff Blum and David Tuttle. They were on the show last year. Um, They're they're here because the Yankees are about to play the Astros right out of the All-Star break. Jeff is a color commentator for the Astros, so obviously we know we know where his biases lie. But Tuttle, <laughs> on the other hand, he is he's going to be the referee in in this argument, and I'm not even going to say it's going to be an argument because no. we actually we actually get compliments compliments yeah we get comments that we are part uh, pretty bi- uh, unbiased Yankees fans as far as Yankees fans come. So are we anyway? Welcome to the show, guys. So much so uh, so happy to have you. It's good to be on, and yeah, it, 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 obviously my I always make fun when we open up our podcast. I always say I'm Jeff Blum, commentator for the everybody you know America's favorite team, the Houston Astros. But uh, I know it carries a little extra special weight when it's on uh, you know a Yankee podcast. So it's good to be on with you guys again. Always a blast, and I do appreciate the fact that you guys are willing to have the conversation and talk very good baseball between two very good teams right now. Well, well, that's the thing about it. It's like the Astros just won't freaking go away. <laughs> they're, they're, tr- they're trying to go to their, I believe it's sixth straight championship series. So yeah, they, you know, obviously they're, they're the most hated team in baseball. And to be more hated than the Yankees, you got to do something extra bad to do that. When the Yankees are the likable one in the matchup, it, it, it is, you know, you've done something wrong. But they're they're just a really good team. I, I'm I'm curious about that actually, and the 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 hatred towards the team. I mean, we feel it different than I think a lot of other folks feel it when they look, go across sports. And obviously, there are a lot of different players on the team. Mm-hmm. That, there are a good amount of the same players. Alex Bregman is still there, and his face bothers me. But the the a lot of these guys were not in on that 17 team. So I'm curious, what's the reception across the league? You know, not speaking just from. Uh, you know, a fan base that feels robbed, you know, not only in, in multiple ways, but yeah, I'm curious. Well, I mean, I would feel robbed too, if it was my only opportunity in the world series, slight dig, just saying, but uh, no, it's, you know, what's been interesting for me is because, you know, the last two years with the COVID year and then 2021 shutting down travel. So I haven't been on the road in two years. Everything I've heard and seen has been through a monitor or a headphone set. And, you know, I didn't know how bad it was until we got on the road. And granted, there's going to be some different reactions in different cities. They're going to be a little more subdued in some of the places that we do go to. But when you do get to Yankee Stadium, that's where we all anticipated all of the all of the hate and the vitriol to show up. And it was definitely there. So it's a visceral experience to sit there, broadcast for a team that you know everybody hates going in, and then you actually see and hear it up close. So it, it, it's unique. Uh, I do appreciate the fact that most fan bases, when we do go through there and watch the Astros, that it is for Altuve. It is for Alex Bregman. It is for Yuli Gurriel. Those are the three guys in the lineup from that 2007. 17 World Series championship team. And then you see the guys like Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez get up there, 
it and people just kind of sit back, watch, and enjoy the ball game. So I do appreciate the fact that fans are aware enough of that. But it's amazing to me to to see that and hear the reaction and not get caught up in it when you're trying to call a game because it's coming through our field mics, it's coming through our headsets, and then uh, watching those guys perform under those circumstances is probably the most impressive thing for me. But yeah, dude, that hate is real. Uh, I know we'll dig into it a little bit more, but getting there and experiencing experiencing it now firsthand is a completely different animal. And, and let me, I said I would be the referee, but let me just chime in and say, look, the Yankees and the Astros, both because they're winning franchises, and you can debate about, you know, the Yankees' 2001-5 run is kind of the last time they've done it, but they're a hated franchise because they've had a lot of success, you know, ever since the boss and Billy Martin and, you know, before that, right? So it's good to be on the side of being hated, and I think the Astros, to your point, looking for their six ALCS in a row are now kind of into that realm being hated. So, you know, we can debate some of the logistics or specifics, but I think you guys are both in a good position as, uh, you know, part of the fan bases for teams that are hated because they're respected. That's true. It's, you know, the, the, I think the, the Jordan Bulls were in the same, uh, a similar vein here. You, you, you just, the envy, I think, comes across because you're sick of seeing it if you're not a fan base. <laughs> what, what I do appreciate here is with, the, with what the Astros have brought recently because of all of this is the rivalry between the two teams is, mm-hmm. is heated also. It's not just the fan base. It's, it's on the field. You can feel the tension when they're playing. The, the Yankees team you can you can tell that it's different it's a little extra and you know i'm sure there's some residual effect from 17 but there's also it's just a damn good team and you know when you're looking at the teams that were were across baseball right now it it's been the red sox forever but it's absolutely 1000 percent the astros and even I'd, I'd put the red sox even a distant probably fourth yeah. behind the Blue Jays wow. and the Tampa Rays. And that's, that goes because of, of the, the competition and, and you know, what's happened in recent, in recent history as well. I know the Red Sox obviously knocked the Yankees out, but the tension between the two teams um, just it hasn't felt like it's been there over, over the years. And I, I think that the Astros has really overshadowed that. Could you do, could do me a favor, real quick? Just in, in you know, just continuing on that same thread. I do. I'm glad that you said that because you know when you're down in Houston and you recognize the Yankees have you know rivals all over the country and obviously mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, you know wants to create that East Coast bias between the Yankees, Red Sox, and just promote that rivalry to no end. I love the fact that you guys watch and love the Yankees and actually experience the fact that there is that that true rivalry between the Astros and Yankees, uh, that makes me feel good. It makes me, you know, almost uh, validate what we've been talking about on our broadcast because we feel it down here in Houston when those guys play. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, it is a rivalry in the sense that they're two good teams going against each other, but I also believe it because social media goes absolutely bonkers when these two teams play. I can feel it on my end, but dig a little bit deeper and explain, you know, at least because we're going to borrow some of this audio probably to put on our podcast, but it, just sure. to go in a little more depth and explain, we know 2017 because of the World Series and obviously Rob Manfred finding that there was a cheating scandal in there. I'm not going to deny that, but just dig a little bit deeper on Altuve and that hatred for the Houston Astros, just so we have an understanding, but maybe give us a little more of an articulate, better understanding on why this rivalry is so good. Andrew, you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. So (laughs) I've actually... Um, so I talked to Andy Martino. I don't know if you guys know who Andy yep. Martino is. He wrote a book about the Astros cheating scandal. And he uh, it, it was actually went in depth about all of the major players in that. Beltron, Alex Cora, uh, AJ Hinch, all the way down the line through to the present day Astros. And he was pretty confident in his findings that Altuve was not wearing a buzzer in the 2019 ALCS when he was, you know, saying, keep my, keep my shirt on. Mm-hmm. But as you guys know, that doesn't mean shit on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Dude, nothing does. That's so true. <laughs> and so fans and the perception, I think among a lot of casual fans, even non-biased fans of, of, of baseball are that Altuve was doing something shady there. 
And then you go, it, it's, it's just like any conspiracy theory. There's rabbit holes and rabbit holes and rabbit holes. And perception is almost more powerful than actual facts. And so the perception is that the Astro, that Altuve was doing something cheating against Araldis Chapman and hit that home run. And that sent the Astros to the World Series. So the perception is that not only were the Astros found cheating in 17 and found cheating in 18, but then they were cheating in 19 as well and screwed the Yankees twice. So that is why Jose Altuve, that is one major reason why Jose Altuve is public enemy number one in the Bronx. The number two reason is because he's still really good and he still murders the Yankees. And every time they play him, he hits a crushing home run. And I still don't understand why anyone would throw him a first pitch strike. I don't care. It should be nine feet out of the strike zone because if it's near the strike zone, he's going to hit it. So I, on the one hand, put the the whole you know perception of him on over here, and then also acknowledge he's still really just good at baseball. I'll go the other way, uh, a, a different side of things. The reason why I think a lot of this, for me personally, I, I can only speak to the way I feel personally. I, th- I, I think here because my 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 percept my perception has changed a bit, and, and my perspective has changed a little bit in how th- I, I I treat these guys. I think the reaction to the to the scandal also was a big reason why I feel the way I feel towards people. I actually don't have as much disdain towards Altuve because I think that he when when this all came up, he stuck he. He took a step back. He did not come out in front. Whereas Correa, who I, who I actually became a fan of during seventeen, when when they're talking about him learning English just to talk to the 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 um, the media in the major leagues, like the story, I get chills thinking about a kid growing up in Puerto Rico learning English so that he can speak to the media members when he becomes a major league baseball player. It's, it's an amazing story. Um, you know, he, he, he proposed to his girlfriend, I think, right when they won the World Series. Like, there were a lot of likable things about him. And then he got out in front of this thing and was just smug as all hell. And so was Alex Bregman. Smug. That's the, the one word that I describe. And when I see someone who's smug about something that is clearly obvious, that clearly happened, and shows no remorse for a particular thing, that bothers me. And I didn't see that from Altuve, actually. Altuve, I think, tried to stay, stay back from it as much as possible. And he's just a damn good baseball player um, all around. So I, I actually have a lot of respect for him. Um, and when I look at the guys, I, I squarely look at Bregman and Correa are the two guys that, that I look at the most uh, throughout that whole thing that bothered me the most. But the fact that they're good is, is just the reason why I think this thing Adds stays fuel. up. That's it's fuel. fuel. They're still good. You know, they're still really good. Because they're good. still good, and it pisses people off. And they're still beating <laughs> you. They're still beating you. They're throwing yeah. no hitters against you. It's like it's yeah. it's not only not only, you can't seem to get the upper. The Yankees can't seem to get the upper hand on the Astros, and that's also frustrating. There's a common theme here, which is funny because the common theme is what I said before, and you mentioned the Bulls. Is like they're good, and so that puts yeah. them into this space. Now, how they handle it, and you pointed that out, um, Scott. But it's it's like. I, we said this about Pettit, right? When Pettit's like, oh, yeah, I had an injury, and so I had to take – and every, like everybody's forgot about him. He's a really good Christian guy. He was one of the best pitchers that the Yankees ever had in playoff situations, and nobody gives a shit that he did steroids, <laughs> whereas Roger Clemens is like, I never did it. Barry Bonds is like, I never did it, and I don't <laughs> yeah, know what the hey, hell you Rod. guys are talking about. And Yeah, so yeah, you this know, is a I, forgiving nation. We, yeah, we like I, the comeback yeah, You're right. I totally yeah. agree. So I think the way you articulated that is 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 – Good. I mean, you know, I, think, I completely agree. Yeah. So Blum, we I joke. wanted to hear your thoughts too. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Blum. Oh no, I was gonna no, go ahead. Oh. I've got a I've got a, one more question after this. And that but I do want to talk about that series in yeah, New York and then the upcoming game because it, I mean this is just fascinating baseball for me. So one last thing on what we were just talking about. Scott and I always joke on the show that it, it, the Yankees need to hire us as just like third party PR people because we will just tell the players exactly what to say that will that will just it's get the, the common sense to be on their sign, on their side. Yeah, the common sense thing. If you stink, stand in front of your locker and admit that you stink, and say I'm going to try and get better and move on. Or like how when IKF uh, Kiner Falefa came to the Yankees, he did like the tour de force of like getting on the Yankees fan side. He he posted a picture of himself in the bleachers as a kid as a bleacher creature. It's like okay, beautiful one, Yankees fan growing up. Got it. <laughs> Got Jose Trevino, same thing. My dad loved the Yankees. So it's like all of these Cole. things that just cut straight. Yeah, Garrett Cole holding up the sign. 
all of these things cut straight to the hearts of Yankees fans, and they're so they're so obvious uh, on what they are. And and to, I think my point there was, but they work every single time. They work every time. It's that <laughs> Pettit, Pettit, hand up. I was wrong. Whereas Clemens, like I never did it. Two totally different things. Where so with Correa and the other players who said, no, 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 we never cheated mm-hmm. or we never did this. It's it's like, well, there's there's mountain of evidence that you did so at a the narrative point. with pettit is hilarious because it's like he hgh because he's a team guy he was just trying to get back to the team <laughs> right yeah. he was just trying to get back to the team trying to get healthy to help the team out had nothing to do with individual performance no. he was he felt so guilty that he was injured that he just had to get back faster to help the team I that's, want my that's guys the perception back. a lot of times with with andy pettit he can do no wrong the man could do no but wrong. But wasn't that brilliant? I mean, that was brilliant. It was sure. genius, but it was I mean, also how do you genuine. not steal that idea if you're somebody else that jacks up something, dude? I did it for the Because team, it was genuine. The road Potentially, <laughs> it came from the right place. That's the yeah. difference. Whereas these other guys are just so arrogant. And it's a little and, more believable, and yeah. smug. <laughs> like, that's not, a, that's not something that, come, that comes across well in any fan base at all. Do you know who no. potentially handled steroids the worst out of anyone ever is Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun, yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, don't even get me started. Dude, sent, he buried he that. A, a, he buried a, the guy that guy. got tested. Awful, awful. But I was on the I was on the Diamondbacks in 2011 when we went to the playoffs, and that dude single handedly destroyed our playoffs because he hit 900 with like five <laughs> home runs in a four game series. It was unbelievable. And then we find out he did he did juice, and then just buried everybody in the process. Unbelievably bad. Yeah. 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 That's, that was a scumbag. I didn't mean to take us off sure. topic back to steroids. I got some oh, thoughts that's on good. that too, but we, we don't could have do to hours of podcasts on steroids. <laughs> we could. I mean, hours we, on steroids. Blum and I played in that era, and I do think it's funny because I know uh, Ryan. I also know his agent, who uh, both of them very, very arrogant people, and so it's funny <laughs> how even their perception in the locker room and the perception that they give off when you're you know having a conversation with them like we are now and and blum already brought it up i I mean pettit and posada i played against way back when and you know pettit was you know he's very christian guy family guy very soft-spoken i mean all those things were actually part of who he is and to your point i mean i think that's if there's a roadmap to redemption that's it and maybe you guys should get hired by the yankees and you know kind of utilize that roadmap so that they can have you know better we've been PR. making our pitch for like a decade and they haven't <laughs> yeah. said we yeah. keep pushing keep, man you keep never the know. podcast going you never know that's what we do we're like in three we're in year three we're in of year our eight. podcast we're yeah. in your well, i'm not sure i'm not sure hired. i want to work for them though because then uh, then we can't talk about the things that we actually want to talk about yeah <laughs> we'd get hired and fired in a week <laughs> I, I can attest to that fact <laughs> <laughs> that you do have to be very careful about what you say about the organization you're working for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, one last question on all of this. Uh, you guys have been great about it, but I've got a question because you mentioned Beltron already. Cam, Cam Mabin was on that 2017 yeah. Astros team. <laughs> yeah. Marwin Gonzalez was on that team. How do you have two broadcasters on the Yes Network who are on the 17 team and, and arguably the leader of the uh, sign-stealing scandal, Carlos Beltran, in your booth? And then how, how does that dynamic work? And how did that go over when you guys first heard they were going to be there? And has anything changed? Do, do, do you remember what I said two minutes ago? Carlos Beltran wanted to sign with the Yankees, and then he signed with the Mets because he couldn't sign with the Yankees. Always been a Yankees fan. Boom. We love him. Cameron Maven, just a nice guy. Compliments everybody. It's like <laughs> I think a lot of people don't remember that he was on that team. Also, also yeah. Also, yeah. they weren't the best players on the team that were really beating you. <laughs> and that's ultimately True. what it comes down to yeah. is that the – Carlos Beltran was the performance-enhancing drug of that team. Oh, no doubt about and then, it. Carlos and then, Beltran was on the, the broadcast recently, the, the most recent one for mm-hmm. – when they played Houston because the was, Yes Network yeah. likes to pair up former players. I'm like, what are we doing here? First of all, <laughs> he's not very good. He's He still needs oh, to get his legs. He's, he's bad. And two, yeah. he, I mean, you're hung out to dry at that point. Like, wh- what are you supposed he to say? He sounded very sad about the <laughs> yeah. whole thing. There's nothing to say. Because obviously his, his career. in the middle of it. He lost his managerial job, probably never going to get another managerial job. Maybe this won't let him get into the Hall of Fame, and he's clearly a Hall of Fame player. Yes. So this this is – I don't no, think I don't it's think a stretch to say – the Hall of Fame. You don't think so? No. What do you guys think? I, I, think he, I, think he, I think he could get into the Hall of Fame. He's not going to be a first 
no. you know, five ballot type guy, but I think eventually you get to the peripherals and you and you do find out as a switch hitter, he's one of the greatest switch hitters to ever sure. play the game. But at the same time, like you guys are talking about, I when that report came out against the Astros, you're you're going, damn, that sucks. But at the same time, when Manfred steps up and says, I'm not going to name any players. And then he names Carlos Beltran in that whole thing. Yeah. To be honest, that pissed me off because that went against his word. And this was right around that time, like you guys are talking about, that Carlos Beltran gets hired as the New York Mets manager. And I'm going, sweet. Finally, this guy, this guy's going to get an opportunity. He knows the game extremely well, having been around him. He's played the game extremely well. I think his numbers are great. But I also thought he'd be a great influence on that Mets organization. And here he is getting named. So that's part of what pissed me off. And I think you're right in the sense that this may be as good as it gets for him being a broadcaster for the Yankees because nothing else is going to come of this because of that being named in that uh, report. It's unfortunate for him. Yeah, yeah. He, because he retired, so he technically wasn't part of the players' union yeah, it's, anymore. It still frustrates me but that they, he was a player at the time, the report. They should have been know. able to protect him yes. after the fact. Like Whatever you did as a player, yeah, he really got screwed in the whole thing. And I, he's such a nice. Like, I don't know him, but like everyone says, he's such a nice guy, and he's, he's, a really he's good such dude. such a good person that like I think he is super sad about the whole thing. And, and so, from like a person listening to him call the Astros Yankees series, it's just like really came across. Yeah, he's it's just, too bad. He's, he he needs he needs reps in the booth. Also, he's just okay. He's yeah, not, I haven't I haven't actually to be honest, I haven't heard him in the booth. So I, I a lot I can't. of generalities. Just like speaks to us like we're kindergartners, and it's, it's oh no, it's frustrating sometimes. Uh, I don't understand why 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 you guys think that he's not going to get a job at some point. AJ Hinch literally turned around immediately and got a. But AJ Hinch had a resume of winning a World Series. Alex Cora had a resume of winning a World Series. So you don't you Carlos think Beltran, Beltran was already. You had to take a shot on Carlos Beltran. Yes. And now you'd have to take another shot on him. But he's got he's got black marks on his resume. I'm with Andrew on that one. I think the the previous track record for AJ and Alex is what got them the jobs and allowed them to come back in the game. Cora was never. I mean, they never wanted to get rid of him in the first place. No, um, but okay. I'm not going to. I'm not going to shock anyone right here. But the the fan base. I'll, I'll speak on uh, on behalf of the fan base because of my contractual issues. But if AJ they, if AJ Hinch was offered the chance to come back, the fan base here would have it would have taken him back in a heartbeat. Oh, I don't doubt that. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I this is my thing. I'm an analogy person, right? This is Deshaun Watson. Does Deshaun Watson give you a better Why chance you to win? Why you got to keep digging on the uh, Houston, hey, man? I'm just saying. Does Deshaun <laughs> Watson give you a better chance to win a Super Bowl? Yep. All right. We're going to guarantee him $200 million and then we'll let the chips fall where they may. And I think it's really interesting because the managers that have a, you know, a World Series on their resume, I also think you know English is a second language for Carlos. I mean, yeah, he grew up in Puerto Rico and he's been in the big leagues for 20 years, but... I think it's got to be challenging. I mean, I've found that oh, we've, sure. I've been doing this podcast for three years and, you know, I don't know if I've gotten any better, but it certainly gets more comfortable. Maybe. And to your point, yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I just I just follow you, Blummer. You know that. But anyway, oh, like, man, I mean, I think me. you guys understand that, that, you know, like you said, maybe his sea legs are going to come as he, you know, just expands his thought more because maybe he thinks about it in a, in a more simplistic way when he's, you know, trying to articulate it in English. I, I mean, I don't know, but it does take repetitions. And he's, it takes he's got I agree. so much knowledge because there were, he, he has flashes where he's like super Ton. interesting. When he gets detailed, and, yeah. And like yep. John Flaherty, who's also on the Yes Network, former, former catcher, yep. was, asked, was talking basically hitting philosophy and, and, and what you're thinking in and at bat. And, and he went on like a two-minute, you know, uh, run where I was like, holy shit, like th that's really interesting stuff. But then it goes back to like the very general, general points of, well, that, that double play really hurt you. Oh, oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But you're right. The information's in that skull because I, I actually went over there and talked to him. I was asking him about some of the relievers. I was asking him about some of the swing thoughts and decisions of, of some of the Yankees. And all of a sudden, and it was great because David Cohn was in there too. So you had the pitcher hitter aspect of the whole thing. And it was, I got stuck in there for about 15, 20 minutes when we're all trying to get ready for the game, but it was amazing. It, it's in there. Hopefully he does figure out a way to let that out because it would be a, it would be a lot of fun to hear him talk about some of those situations and, and give you guys a little more to work with. When he's teed up, he's good. When he's teed up for something specific, okay. he's good. I, look, when I was uh, I was watching, I've mentioned this on the podcast like 15 times recently, but I was uh, listening to um, Clemens when he was talking with uh, with Kay and A-Rod on Sunday night a couple, couple weeks ago. And man, like, 
Clemens was going deep and very, very, very entertaining about some of the things that he was talking about because he was talking baseball, just like pure baseball, unfiltered, Roger Clemens talking baseball. And that's fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if Beltran is teed up in that way, yeah, oh, the guy's got a, you know an encyclopedia in there. You can, you can tell by the way he played and how he studied. I mean, he orchestrated that thing because he knew what to look for. When, we're, <laughs> when you're thinking about the things, it's, you know, yep. when you actually take a step back from what it was and think about like why he was looking at this, his ability to pick up things that the pitcher is do, or, or, or doing, and Clemens spoke on this too, about how he would play the game on the other side and try to hide it and, and, and like fake people out. And it's fascinating. It, to me, it's fascinating on how fast a batter can pick that up, uh, pick up mm-hmm. a, a slight little reaction in mid, you know, in, during the mechanics, during the, the actual windup. So yeah, I don't disagree. He's just, he needs to get his sea legs on the, on the color commentator yeah. part where he's carrying a, a Tigers Yankees, you know, five nothing game. <laughs> yeah. in the fifth. To, to me, it's like poker though. And that's what I learned too. I mean, I, you got to, I, you know, Blummer has millions of stories and it's not good to out all these guys. Eduardo Perez had that reputation and he would sit there, and he's like, and it was like a game. There was two dudes at the end of the dugout, whether they were going to pinch it or not. They'd be like, I got him. I got him. Two innings later, they got him. Look, watch when he closes his front foot and his hands hang a little bit lower. It's a changeup. I mean, those guys did that stuff all the time. And so then, you know, we can add in video and videography. But these guys were so good even without the videography, and they had so much knowledge and so much experience that that game within the game, as you start playing high levels, you know why these guys cover their mouth and why they're going to a you know, non-verbal, yeah. you know, non-physical signal. Because, after, you know, after a while, you can just pick it up, and it's, you know, it's totally the game within the game. I want to ask you guys a question about that because you're both former players. And maybe you won't be able to answer this, but, but why is it baseball players are, are obsessed with trying to figure out those little ins and outs and trying to figure out a pitcher's tell? Is it purely just to get an advantage over the pitcher who already has an advantage over you? Or is it because baseball is just naturally a, a slow sport, so you've got a lot of downtime to, to do all this stuff? Like, like in football, you don't have time. This is a 400-pound guy running at me. Like, I just have to, I just have to react. So like, what, what is it? Well, I think in all sports, there's tells either way. You know, in basketball, if a guy, you know, uh, James Harden step back, he's going to set you up and you know how to defend that. Or you've got, like you said, if, if there's a running back that makes a certain move, you anticipate that by watching film. So they, you know, those sports are a little more, you know, preparation aspect, watching the video, getting these signs. And then if you see that in gameplay, then react accordingly. Whereas in baseball, you can kind of feel the, feel the, momentum of the game and feel you know the synergy of the whole thing because you have the time to be able to do that and you've got four or five guys on a bench who are you know what 120 feet away from watching what this guy's doing but I really do believe and I know that you know it's even more paramount these days because guys are throwing consistently 95 to 100 miles an hour everything is spin rates everything is max effort there's nobody that really slows up and really tries to finesse the game like a tom glavin or a greg maddox these guys are coming at Nestor you cortez baby cortez. well that's court but he's done a great job of manipulating yeah. the baseball creating yeah. a different delivery and you can't pick up on the tell that kind of goes to what roger clemens was saying and that was kind of my thing through this whole sign stealing scandal is you know ultimately the pitcher can change signs change delivery uh, try and keep the hitter off balance. <clears throat> but, you know, if you keep going to the same sign, that's on you if, if you're getting picked. But the idea of the hitter is to try and find a way to anticipate what's coming. Because when I dig into the box, I have tendencies, I have experience, and it, hopefully I can pick up on your delivery and pick up the spin out of your hand. That's why pitchers are trying to be so deceptive and tunnel. They're trying to release the ball out of the same spot. They're trying to just tweak the arm a little bit and, and create the spin out of the same delivery. But if I see you come set and your hand is right here on a fastball, but it's right here on a changeup, I'm going to use that to my advantage. You know, I'm looking for any advantage because you are youth. Number one, hold the baseball and make the decision on what you're coming at me with. And you also have nasty stuff. Hitters don't go up there looking for nasty. I go up there looking for, dear God, hang me a curveball. Dear God, leave a fastball out over the plate yeah. so I can get to it. Because I'm if you if you actually execute your pitch, and Trevor Bauer you know, did this in spring training where he said, here, I'm going to throw a fastball. Threw it as hard as he wanted, yeah. put it where he wanted, and still got guys out. So that's where if I can anticipate 
And, you know, going back to the Astros issue, I think the biggest thing, everybody's going, oh, the average got better. The slugging percentage got better. For me, and maybe Tuttle can talk to this a little bit, if I know what's coming and I see the spin and, I, and I'm ready for it in a two-strike count and I see it break off the plate, guess what? I'm not going to chase it. And that's probably the biggest thing that came out of that whole sign-stealing scandal is that you actually were able to not strike out frequently. Yeah, I had two things on that, and and Blum, you touched on it. I think baseball, not because it's slow, but I think because it's so explosive and fast, meaning as a hitter, if you go up there and you dig in, as a pitcher standing out there, I know that you, you know, you're looking for the ball middle in, and if I can locate, to, to Blum's point about Trevor Bauer, if I can locate then I can get you out. I can if I can throw my sinker on the lower half and you're you're flying open, I know I can get you to roll over on that ball. Now whether I hit my spot or not is, you know, a whole different story which we see mistakes, but I think baseball different than like football where they come in the hole and maybe they go left every time and then one time they go right, you're like, "Oh yeah, he changes tendency." In baseball, if you're a hitter and you go up there and you know it's a four-pitch pitcher, every time a guy comes in, Blummer's like, "All right, this guy's, you know, got a 2.75 ERA. He's got four pitches. He's got a cutter, a sinker, a four-seam and a changeup and a slider. And you can't go into the box thinking this guy's got all five pitches going today. You have to go in there and go, all right, I'd like to get ahead. I'm going to take a strike. If I can get him to 2-0 or 2-1, I can look for that sinker or that fastball middle away. And then now you've just narrowed your chances. And so I think the sign ceiling in baseball, legally or illegally, is just that you know, it's just a little more advantage because you see guys, you can tell when guys know what pitch is coming, they pop it up to the shortstop, they snap their bat over their knee and they throw themselves around. They're like, that was my one chance. And I think that's, I think that that makes it different subtly than most other sports. And now we're going to take some time for our sponsors. The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. I'm going to transition us into, into yeah. modern-day baseball, into today's <laughs> game, because this, this is po- like Yankees, Yankees, Astros here. We just found yeah. some poetry in baseball, yeah. so that's, that's an amazing thing to do. <laughs> You talking about the, the hitting the spots, hitting the spots here, and our our uh, our guy, not really, but on our team, Joey Gallo, is a guy who is is we've, we've talked about him before on our podcast. I, I, yeah, he's, he's a legendary. I believe that Joe. Here's my belief. My belief is that Joey Gallo swings the bat in the exact same spot every single time, and if a home run is hit, the pitcher made a mistake in his bat. That's that's my belief. And our, our big thing is like, he even made comments earlier in the season and saying, this is how I got here. This is who I am. This is, I, I can't, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm not going to change what got me to the major leagues. And in fact, we're looking at him like, you're a major league baseball player. You're a major league hitter. Make an adjustment. Make an adjustment <laughs> to, at this point, stay in the league. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's getting to an embarrassing level what, what he's doing because it's, it's like he's going out and just, just chopping the wood at the exact same spot, just keeping the same exact thing. And by some miracles, a, a, a pitcher throws, throws a ball in, in over the plate in the middle of the zone instead of, instead of up or down and away, and it makes contact with his bat, and he gets lucky and hits one out once a month. Yeah, what, you guys can your, steal What are the it? thoughts got- about, the, about the adjustments? Well. I've watched Joey Gallo since he was a Ranger facing the Astros, and they've they've thrown 9,000 fastballs at the top of the zone that he will never touch and never has. It's it's amazing. So to your point, that swing is on the same plane the exact same time every single day in the same play. And you guys can steal this term. I call it porn hacking. That's all he is. He's just one big porn hack the entire time. And 
you know, what's crazy. Oh man, this guy, he, he is extremely frustrating, but isn't the game of baseball. What is, when you talk about the game of baseball and you talk to every pitcher, every hitter, every position player, what do they say that baseball is? It's a game of adjustments because it's yes. constantly that movement of me changing my pitch to get you out until you hit that pitch. Then I will, I will work off of that pitch, to try and find another way to get you out. But Joey Gallo, since he's been in the big leagues has not moved off how to get him out. It has been a consistent book. It's dust and it says the same thing every single day when you go and get him out. Amazing stat about Joey Gallo that I that is absolutely mind-blowing to me is that he has one sacrifice fly in his career. Unbelievable. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah you have to look it up. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, that almost it. can't be real, but I believe you. It's unbelievable. I, sw- I, I would go back. If it's, if it's not one, it's, under, it's five or under. I guarantee it. I mean, that's the, whether it's one or five, the, the point the point stands. Uh, he's got two. He's got two. In his entire. Oh wait, no, no, no. That's. Oh, I'm looking up Baseball Reference right now. Uh, he's got one sacrifice hit and two sacrifice flies. He hit one with the Yankees last year. I can't say career. that I remember it. In his entire career, uh, twenty six hundred plate appearances. <laughs> I, I I hate. He's, Scott, he's, that means the ball goes over the fence. Don't worry about it. It goes out. No. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it either goes I out mean, or he misses it. He You're does good. have 169 home runs. Yeah, there you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> Two sacrifice points. He dri- the, <laughs> drives me nuts watching him play. And that's why like, I don't understand the disdain some fans have when they watch IKF play. He's a breath of fresh air. He's a breath of fresh air. He moves, he moves runners. He gets on base. He makes the plays. He's made, he has not made some... Simple plays at short. That's where he like has some 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 uh, some blunders, but he makes the incredible plays too. He's gonna clean that up. He's gonna clean it up. He's gonna be a better defensive shortstop in the second half. But my God, does he fit that lineup? And you know what? It's it's a little bit taking a taking a page out of what the Astros have done so well over the years. The Red Sox too, when they won the championship, bats a ball. They don't move strike out. runners. Yeah. They don't strike out. They get on base. They do the things that you need to do to win games. And that hasn't changed in a long time. Like, I understand that the, the, the strategy in baseball as a whole is different today. But the mm. winning strategy actually isn't that different. And you look at what Glaber Torres has done. We've been talking about this. Speaking of Cam Maven, he talks about the middle of the field approach at nauseum mm. at the broadcast. But he's not wrong. When Glaber started hitting line drives again, the ball started flying out of the park. It's not, it's not a coincidence. He's not trying to lift the ball and get it out. He's just trying to make good contact, go up the middle of the field, and, oh, by the way, it's going out of the park. So it's a, there's, a clear, there's a clear, you know, this, this team needed that. This team needed a guy mm-hmm. like IKF and a, a couple other pieces to balance out that lineup so that when October comes and we're going up against a guy like Justin Verlander, hmm, you know, yeah. at least we have a, a fighting chance to put the ball in play and see what happens. I just want to say pitching and defense. You mentioned how it hasn't changed. Blum and I talk about this all the time. This is kind of like most games, right? You have the season and then you have the playoffs. The playoffs is still pitching defense and not striking out. I mean, Verlander's going to give up zero, one, or two runs, right? Garrett Cole's going to give up zero, one, or two runs. Who wins that day, two to one, one to nothing, based on like the way the ball bounces? But you have to have that strategy in place. Sorry, Blummer. I know you guys want to get no, to the fine. series coming up after the All Star game too. Well, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna use that to lead into it because that was one of the things in watching that series when the Astros went through uh, Yankee Stadium and they played five games already. But it was really interesting to me because I agree with you that I think this Yankees team is different in the sense that they are trying to make more contact. You know, Rizzo is a freak uh, uh, with with how he. He handles the strike zone. I know the average isn't there. He's gotten some timely hits. But, dude, that guy puts together an absolutely frustrating at bat, uh, fouling off pitches, laying off pitches, forcing deep counts. And, you know, that affects starting pitchers. And then you start to get to some of these bullpens around the league, and that's when you start going to do do a lot of damage. But going back to uh, Kiner Falefa and Trevino, for that matter, Mm -hmm. is that – Yes, they put together good at bats and they're having career years in Yankee Stadium. But the thing for me is the defense has gotten better behind your, the pitching staff. I Trevino's mean, not just gotten better. It's it's Trevino's the best framer in baseball. It, yeah, Yankees have the most defensive run yeah. saved. I think they're up there at the top of the league now. It's 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 a, it's, it's crazy how how fast it happened. 
And that's the number that jumped for me because watching, you know, obviously we've had years where we've had Garrett Cole, Verlander, Granke, some of the, you know, Lance McCullers Jr., Dallas Dallas Keuchel doesn't win a Cy Young if they don't play defense behind him. You know, that's where – He doesn't win a Cy Young if he doesn't pitch four times against the Yankees that year. <laughs> yeah, they had a hard time with the soft <laughs> They didn't they score could, off. Them. Couldn't elevate on him. But, you know, the defense is what's going to enhance your pitching staff. So those two guys, I think, made the, the, the offense a little more dynamic and useful and set up for some of the big boys in that lineup. And then the defense has been incredible. Trevino's been a lot of fun to watch him kind of grow up and work with that pitching staff. But do the bullpen for the Yankees. The, what I saw in that those four or five games against the Astros, the bullpen, it might be the linchpin of what they're able to go out there and do because you guys are going to be able to slug. You're going to get the Giancarlo three-run home run. You're going to get the Judge you know three-run double or the late-inning home run like we saw in that series. But the bullpen was absolutely shut down, and that was a series that we didn't even see a role as Chapman in. Well, that's the, the thing about the Yankees' bullpen. The, what we thought were going to be their top two guys, Chapman and Johnny Loisaga, have not been there all year. Clay Holmes has been the best relief, best closer Ooh. in the league. Michael King has been a weapon. And even guys like Wandy Peralta ha- have stepped up huge yeah. uh, for, for that bullpen. You guys uh, don't want Gary is- Sanchez back? We made a vow on this show. On the podcast now. We have a rule. We cannot name. say Gary Sanchez's oh, name anymore. I didn't know. So yeah. there you go. I was That's just a curse. You know, no, no, about Trevino. I was like, you know, Gary Sanchez. Now that you've brought him up, now that you've brought him up, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's yeah, it was addition by subtraction. I mean, it was for sure. Gary Sanchez has been driving me insane for the past yeah. two to three years. Insane. Yeah. No, with, I knew with that. the the types of things that he does, but. I'm good at throwing um, us off topic. You mentioned the bullpen. I do. I did tune into that series. I like to listen to Blum every once in a while. And I was like, who are these? Who's this Clay Holmes guy? 98. And I'm like. Every year. It was like strike, 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 strike. Power sinker. I was sinker. like, damn. 98 sinker, yeah. He Nasty. hit 101 Ugh. on the gun one time this year Brutal. with a sinker, which maybe it was a hot gun, but I don't care. That's still yeah, probably 98. Still, yeah. yeah. And Jeez. it's the gun's hotter than it used to be, but it doesn't matter. Every guy's throwing 96 and 97. They're locating their ball. You talked about trying to get an edge earlier. This is why you need to get an edge, because if you go up yeah. against Clay Holmes with no no plan, guess what? <laughs> you're well, you're going to be in the, the weir- back of the dugout. The weird thing about that series is the Yankees actually scored off the Houston bullpen, and the Houston bullpen had been pretty damn good all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't touch any of the starting pitchers in, in that series. and. Dude. and the Astros bullpen pitched completely scared. You know, they pitched 13 innings in that in that series in uh, New York. 13 walks that wow. killed them. Yeah, yeah, and and to get out of there with a split was because the starting pitching was so good. Obviously, yeah. the no hitter, but even on the Friday night game, I don't think they allowed a, a a hit after like the second inning in that game or something like that. And obviously, almost no hit them in, in the Sunday game. Uh, in, until late in that game. So, so yeah, it was... How, how does that affect you guys when you're watching this game? Because you guys know this roster. You know these guys' tendencies as well as anybody. The two games that stood out for me for the Astros against the Yankees, or if I was a Yankee fan, would be the Irkiti game because he throws a lot of fastballs and a lot of strikes. And then Luis Garcia in Minute Maid Park who doesn't pitch well there, and they, he was able to shut down... That Both those guys were able to shut down the offense. That That really surprised me, to be honest with you. The offense has been really, really good all season. Like, if you mm-hmm. just look at the, the overall numbers, it's been really, really Man, good. Yeah. And and especially over the past month, the numbers are are excellent. But there's been a handful of blowout games that they've had, and then a handful of games where they they look awful. I'm not even just talking about getting no hit, but you know, two hits, one run, or something like that. So it's kind of been a lot of highs and low swings over the past month, which make the overall numbers look pretty good because you you score 14 runs in a game and then two runs well your average runs per game is still pretty good but yeah. you look at it and it's like well you didn't need 14 runs to beat the pirates <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are stat patterns man okay. yeah joey like joey gallo on sunday getting back to joey gallo <laughs> hit a two-run home run in the eighth inning of a game they were already winning like 11 to 1 it's like great oh, yeah, thanks joey take that into the all-star break well it doesn't i count. think this this belies something though that i've always thought about baseball and now more as a fan watching it is the best players are the ones that do that that get you know i mean we saw uh carpenter get what two three run homers you know from you know like you're gonna see his numbers at the end of the year he was hitting 180 now he's hitting 230 he's gonna be hitting 270 but that those are the guys that end up helping your team because they gain confidence in games like that like against the pirates when you you know boat race them 13 to 1 and you don't need it 
But those are the professional hitters, like you said. Gallo's, you know, he's going to run into one every once in a while, maybe against a lesser team. But guys like Carpenter are the guys that scare me the most when I think about the Yankees lineup because you're going to be careful with Judge. You're going to be careful with, you know, Stanton. But here's a guy who was an all-star. And, yeah, he seems past his prime, but his stash looks pretty damn good. And he's a professional hitter, man. He's, he's the best hitter on the planet. He's, he's actually been untouchable right now. <laughs> Juan Soto for Matt Carpenter. It's not even a conversation. Uh, I wouldn't right go now. that he's, far. Oh, there you go. I love that. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's he's hitting 350 with a with I think what 12 home runs now. It's he's insane. He's insane. He's oh, you're being serious. Founds whatever. He's got like a 2,000 OPS, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like uh, he's he's got 12 home runs in like in less plate appearances than he hit 12 home runs in the past three seasons. But I'm telling what, you, go- if you want to watch a look at a, a funny stat line comparison on like a baseball reference is just go pull up Joey Gallo and Matt Carpenter for Oof. this year and see what it looks like. It's That's pretty right. funny. That would be funny. But, but I mean, Blum and I've talked about this a bunch on our podcast and just to reiterate, those are the guys, those, I mean, they get him as a glue guy, you know, AB Booney knows him like, Hey, you know, we'll get this veteran clubhouse presence. And now all of a sudden, that's what flips it. You know, yes, you got, you know, the catchers and the defense and all one com- coming along. I mean, I started looking at this little league field that my daughter plays soccer next to, and it's like two oh it's like two ten down the line of the little league field. And then you go to Boston and you see it's like three oh two. And then you look at that right field porch or the Crawford boxes and you're like, Oh, this is gonna be fun. I get to face John Carlos Stanton and it's like three thirty, you know, in the gap where he just all he has to do is like extend his arms. Like this is it's going to be an offensive juggernaut, and you add Carpenter into the mix, and you know the Yankees and the Astros are both. You know, you see why they're formidable teams. Thankfully, thankfully, Yankees Yankees right-handed bats can make those adjustments uh, for the most part and and hit the short porch and just pepper that thing. Uh, and actually, I mean, that's what that's what Judge's big advantage was after after. Um, after 16, when he was at a 50% strikeout clip, you know his bat is coming through the zone for such an extended period of time. Now his mistakes uh, are are flying out of the uh, out of the park in in right field. But um, no, that's a great point, and he's yeah. strong enough to be able to do that too. All right, yeah. so let's really d- dig in a little bit to the series because the doubleheaders coming up. You guys saw them split, obviously, in Yankee Stadium. So what do we think? Do you think the bullpen for the Astros is going to pitch less scared this time, or what? I mean, what do we I mean, see coming a- up? Well, it's I I hate that it's a doubleheader because me too <laughs> because these two teams do not need to be playing a double like I don't know the Yankees can play a doubleheader against the Orioles and I have no clue who the, <laughs> who the Astros are playing in the weekend uh, right after but they can play a doubleheader against them let the Astros and the Yankees play Thursday and Friday because like it's bullshit that they've got to come out of the All Star break into a doubleheader in which you're probably going to split because both teams are just managing their pitching workload and that's how doubleheaders in the middle se- middle of the season go maybe I'm going to be wrong but we'll see I don't know. Well, I, I hope you're wrong in the sense that it's actually a good game, a good, good, a good couple of games because I'm with you 100%. This might be the one time that you see Yankee fans and Astro fans actually agree because you're forcing them to watch two great teams play. I don't want to say they're going to be mediocre games, but it kind of has that sensation going into it. That they're just trying to find a way to get through the day. Yeah. I don't want to see that. I want to see these two guys get mad at each other and start beating the hell out of each other and play some good baseball and have some big moments like they've had in the past. So I'm with you in that. It's terrible that they're forcing the Yankees to come to come to Houston. I know they're home games for the Astros, but there had to be a better spot to be able to do this. I would have extended the season, like you're saying, to force them to be able to play maybe a couple more meaningful games on back-to-back nights as opposed to back-to-back games in the same day. It's not right because the Astros have to play two at home, get on a plane and take a five-hour flight to Seattle, which is going to suck. And then you're going to see the Yankees do the same thing. They're going to play two in uh, Houston and then have to take a flight in the middle of the night after a 5:30 game I think it is that second game and go and lose an hour and go back to Baltimore it's it's not fair for anybody it's not fair for baseball it's not fair for the fans Coming off of vacation too. I mean, they're coming off the All Star break, so you guys are coming back from the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, you're right. They're they're wiping the sleep out of their eyes for that game one, and then they gotta they gotta play two on that day against their their most uh, heated rival. So, I think breaking down this this uh, this series could go a number of different ways here. But I'm I'm more interested also to to hear what you guys think is is uh, coming up at the deadline. What, Mm. What do you what is the what is the what's in the air uh, that what are the Astros 
where are they going to be targeting? What do you what are you guys expecting them to be going after? Because obviously they're a very good team. What four games back in the loss column right now from the Yankees, who have been the storyline yep. of of the total wins. I mean the Astros are right there. Um, so this trade deadline, uh, Andrew and I have called it Brian Cashman's most important of his career because the Yankees have a team where they can absolutely win, and they, in my opinion, they have to overcompensate for for certain things and 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 go after this thing one thousand percent. So. I'm curious as to you know what's in the air in Houston and what they're what they're looking to do. Yeah, when I get done answering this question, I'll ask you guys the same thing. But the first thing is, I would trade my entire AAA Space Cowboy lineup for, and team for Juan Soto right now. <laughs> Being able to have him for another two three years, even if it's arbitration at 25 million a year, I'm going to bring that guy over and put him. Shoot, I don't know. I'd let him play center field if oh he wanted God, to. God, I cannot take Juan Soto in that lineup. Could you I imagine? Handle it. <laughs> Yeah, that would be insane. Great. No, so, I disagree. So, he's also he's also going to be doing the thing where he's like leaning up again. That's going to really piss me off if I see him doing that towards the Yankees. I like Juan Soto. I don't yeah. want to have to hate Juan Soto. I know that's going to really bother me. And all the experience he had hitting bombs in the World Series against the Astros, he's going to be perfectly comfortable hitting him up onto the train track. That's that's obviously I, I I don't see that happening. It would be a miracle, but I know he's on the market, which is fascinating to me, and I can't wait to see if he actually goes somewhere. But to that point, yes, I think the Astros could use a left-handed bat. Uh, I think they could use a left a left-handed hitting outfielder or first baseman. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, with uh, Yuli Gurriel won the batting championship last year, but has not been the same guy, not the same RBI producer. Uh, so a left-handed bat that could play a corner outfield position and maybe be able to play a little bit of first base. A guy that keeps popping up in my mind is a guy like Josh Bell for the Nationals that plays first base and can switch hit. Um, and then in the bullpen, if I can find a premier right-handed arm, I would take it. But if I can find a left-handed reliever that is better than some of my right-handed options for the Astros, I would go get that guy. Because right now, the Astros are relying on Phil Maton, Hector Neris, Rafael Montero, Stanek, and some of these guys. Those are their high-leverage guys later in the game. But I think they need to get that a very good left-handed reliever that can come in in some key situations, maybe in that sixth, seventh inning, to put away some tough left-handed hitting in some of these lineups, and they would be a little bit better uh, as far as the bullpen's concerned. But I like the idea that the rotation is in good shape, and rumor has it, I don't know how true it is, but rumor has it Lance McCullers Jr. is going to make it back, hopefully by September, and I don't know how they're going to use him, if he's going to be a rotation guy or a bullpen guy. Is that interesting because the Yankees have some similar needs. Uh if you had asked us this question three or four weeks ago, we would have said the number one need is you need to find someone to play better than Joey Gallo, and that wouldn't be very hard. Uh, I know a lot of Yankee fans hope Andrew Benintendi comes over, would fit this lineup very well. Nice. Play left field, doesn't strike out a whole lot, uh, would be a really versatile outfielder for them. He's not <clears throat> I know he's not vaccinated. So he can't go um, play up in Toronto. Just saying. Can't play in Toronto. Uh, we thought Judge wasn't going to be able to play in Toronto, and 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 he ended up getting – I don't know. I, I think if Ben Attendee ends up being a Yankee, he'll figure it out. I was yeah. joking. But, but – uh, but two big guys, Stanton and Judge, can can make some do some influence on that. You know? But One now – down, the other – Yeah, if he even shows though up outfield, you're like, yes, sir. <laughs> no, I was going to say just with Blum, yeah. I mean, that's why Soto would be so appealing, right? Because he's got he's under control. So anybody that gets him is in a in an right. ideal situation. One of the many reasons why. Well, <laughs> that's the reason. Aside from being yeah. one of the best players in baseball, um, what I was going to say, I don't have a lot of skin in the game. It's interesting uh, as an outsider looking at teams like, I mean, the teams that your team needs as these are the two best teams in baseball. You know, on on paper, essentially, um, are are exactly what they have, you know, like Brantley's shoulders a little wonky. So what do we need? Kind of a left-handed hitting outfit. I mean, you're just filling these holes. You mentioned Gallo. Gallo's a left-handed hitting or swinging and missing whatever he is. Yeah. Put in a left-hander like Ben. Maybe he's actually right-handed. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> <he's right-handed. laughs> ah, there you go. He, Scott just solved the problem. We, we figured him out. <laughs> he's from the wrong side of the plate. Um, anyway, but, but it, it, you know, Gurriel, right? He was last year, he was the batting champ and he's always been a solid run producer. He's not this year. So it is funny that these teams are just going to reload. And so when, when you guys talk about the trade deadline, it's hilarious because really what you're talking about is just strengthening those, what's, what are already kind of strengths, yeah, right? That's the yeah. Idea, like, though. 
Yeah. Um, no, I, that's yeah. you're fighting for the the top spot in the division. Absolutely. Uh, both of or excuse me in the in the league, both of these yeah. teams. Uh, I guess really the idea would be play play one extra home game in the ALCS if if you meet up mm-hmm. with with the team. Yep. And yeah, you've got to identify where your weaknesses are, where your potential weaknesses are, and, and solidify them. You cannot yep. let both of these teams, especially the Yankees, cannot let this trade deadline go by and not address your needs. This is the best team you've had in so long. It's the most complete team you've had in so long. If they do not address all of their needs, that's a huge failure. I don't care about... And you don't know what's going to happen. With right. this judge contract, you do yeah. not know what's going to happen. I wanted to, before we wrap up, I wanted yeah. to ask Tuttle something because... Well, wait, I would, let because, me just finish that uh, thought because look what the yeah. Rams did, right? And that's what... That, I, that, I, that was just finishing Scott's point, which is, this is your time. Do you go all in? Yes, we're going to get yeah. you know, OBJ, we're going to get this guy, we're going to win the Super Bowl, and then we'll figure it out after, yeah. you know? And I think Overcom- that that's where the Yankees are right now. So go ahead. I completely agree. It, these these aren't playoff contenders. These are World Series championship contender yes. teams, and that's why you yes. think about enhancing them, and you have to make that drastic change. But I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you guys. The uncertainty with Judge, but as well-rounded as that Yankee team has finally become, you've got to make that push. Tuttle, I know you're a Giants fan. I have a, a coworker who, who's a big Giants fan, and he theorizes that if Judge hits the free agent market, the Giants are going to be heavy in on Aaron Judge. Do you see that happening if he does become a free agent? I could see it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, you know, he went to Fresno State. He's a California guy. I mean, you, you t- they talk about that all the time. It's a really good baseball market. The challenge is, and Blum and I have, you know, we go back and forth with the Giants. You know, the Giants kind of did what we're talking about. I feel like last year, I, I, Kapler is not my favorite choice for manager. Um, you know, he's a little unorthodox, but I think they caught lightning in a bottle last year, right? Buster Posey is the captain and they had all this great stuff going on. And, you know, they just kind of had this great core of veterans with some young guys. But when you stand on the mound, and this is how I evaluate a lot of it, and you look at the Yankees lineup, you're like, oh, shit. You know, when you stand on the mound and you look at the Astros lineup, they're really not a lot of holes. You're nervous about facing, you know, Jordan Alvarez, and so you're careful with him, and then Guriel comes up and hits one by your ear hole. I mean, with the Giants, they don't have that. So they need to do something. It's not a rebuild, but this year I don't see them. It's going to be a stretch for them to make the playoffs, even though they're playing well, but they have the Dodgers and the Padres to contend with, just like the American League East is a challenge. And, I, you know, I, I don't see why. If Judge didn't take it, we talked about this on our podcast a couple of days ago. It hasn't been released yet. I mean, Soto turning down 15 years at 440. That he's he's basically saying, I don't want to fucking play here. Excuse my language. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, for I mean, there, I mean, there's the no. Truck, I mean, that's almost half a right? billion dollars. You said right. no to half you a billion dollars. That? Like whether it's a rebuild or not. So Judge turning down what he did. I know it's arbitration, and he just you know he stopped the negotiation. You know, these guys are definitely testing the market. It'll be interesting to see what the Players Association says about these guys. You know, like those are the kind of contracts you want to take. Now, I know he's, you know, still under control. So that's a different deal as well. But anyway, long answer to I do see the Giants in on Judge. They do need their next captain, their next, um, their next kind of foundational player. And the Giants don't have that. I mean, they have Evan Longoria, you know, Brandon Belt. You know, Crawford's yeah. got to be on Crawford. his way out. And, you know, he's hitting yeah, like 230. He's a superstar shortstop. But, you know, I mean, he's been there for 14, 15 years, got three championships already. I mean, why not, right? So I think Judge would be a great guy to go after. Maybe they'll be in the Soto market for all I know. I mean, I have no idea. But they do need a foundational player. And those guys that hit the free agent market, the Giants should pursue if they're not. It, it would just be such a disaster if the Yankees <laughs> let, let Judge walk. It's just. Yeah, that would be disappointing. It, 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 after how this season has gone, I mean, he's moved to center field. He's he's their full. T- he, he's their starting center. He's their starting center fielder. And and move it's out. Yeah, it would just be just bring Brett Gardner disaster. back and let the Giants have uh, Aaron Judge <laughs> and Sanchez. Maybe no, I'm kidding. But that's why I think that's why the Benintendi call is actually great. He he's maybe you know, a younger, better Gardner. He puts together these yeah. unbelievable at bats, hits 300, plays a great left field. You know, I, Peralta yeah, is a, actually it's a natural said, fit. Yeah, but David Peralta, that I, ooh, I like. Scott's that been one. on Peralta. I've been, since I've, like been on, I've been wanting to like do after Peralta for a couple of years now. He's, a, he's I'm, I'm actually you know going to steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like the Diamondbacks are definitely going to be. Well, he's yeah, walking he's, there. He's a free agent too. He's a yeah, walking into next year. Yep. All right, guys. Well, yeah, this was this is awesome. We got to wrap it up, but it's, it's so much fun. Uh, I I hope 
the, uh, if there is a uh, – well, I hope that the Yankees and the Astros do play in the playoffs. I actually do hope that because it would just be fr- freaking awesome, and, and we'll have to talk before that. But I um, really appreciate you guys coming on. A lot of fun to talk to you. Yeah, in all in all of Manfred's lunacy, even he wants the Astros and oh, Yankees yeah. to play because it's great. It's great TV. It's great drama. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys being open and honest, and it's always great having the conversation because your baseball knowledge is extremely good. And uh, who knows, we may be doing this again later in the season in October. Thanks for having us on, fellas. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, be thanks good. a bunch, guys. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. All right, that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bleacher Blumps podcast. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Just a conversation between four baseball fans, two on the Yankee side, two on the Astros side. I enjoyed it. They seem like decent dudes with some great answers who love watching the game of baseball like everybody else. So we will see you next time here in the Bleachers when Tuttle and I get back after it. And again, at the end of every podcast, we want to thank everybody who has served in the military or currently serving. Your sacrifice means that we have freedom here at home to do this podcast. And of course, thank you to all first responders, EMTs, doctors, nurses, and those essential workers who make our daily life possible. We appreciate you. And most of all, we want you to get after it and believe it. Believe it.